Praise the Lord. For those of you that haven't been here, or if you have been here, I'll just recap some things very quickly. I've been teaching all of this week about how to be positive in a negative world, how to be encouraged when everything around you is discouraging, how to be in faith when everybody else is in unbelief. And uh, I think that this is really important. Most people don't even realize that they've got a problem in this area. They look around at people and see everybody else kind of struggling and they just kind of do an inventory and think, well, I'm about average. I'm about like everybody else. But when you look in the word at what God wants us to be and how we should be strong and of a good courage, most people today are not encouraged and they're fearful and they're struggling and having problems that God never intended them to have. So this is what we've been talking about. And I tell you, I would really encourage you to get the CDs and the DVDs from this meeting because even if this meeting has encouraged you and you've felt some encouragement, uh, when you leave this place, you will have discouragement come against you. That's not a negative prophecy. That is a fact that we live in a fallen world and it's easier to get sick than it is to stay well. It's easier to gain weight than it is to lose weight. Everything goes from a state of good to a state of bad in a fallen world. And if you go out of here, I can guarantee you, you're going to be tempted to be discouraged. Bad things are going to happen to you and you're going to need to encourage yourself. And that's what this whole seminar has been about. And I think it's been really good. I've shared some things that I think are going to make a difference in your life. This morning, I was talking about looking up, not just raising your head, but seeing with your heart seeing twice, going beyond what you can see with your eyes and seeing with your heart into the unseen and how Jesus did this. And he was able to take something that in, if all you see with is your eyes, a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish wasn't sufficient for the need. But if you see with your heart, it's more than sufficient. You know, there are just so many applications of this. What I just shared with you about what God's leading me to do. If I only looked at my human resources If I only looked at myself in the natural, I would just be overwhelmed. I couldn't sleep at night. But you know what? I have total peace. Now, I have been up a lot of uh, nights, but it's not because I'm worried about the finances. It's because I'm so excited. I've been drawing everything. I can't hardly sleep because I'm seeing things happen. But I am not worried. And it's because I've learned how to see. And with my spiritual vision, I see this as a done deal. It is an accomplished fact. And you have to get to where you can look up, see again, see beyond the natural and see into the spiritual. And I want to share some scriptures with you that is really just a further explanation of some of the things that I was saying this morning. Again, if any of you missed this morning, you need to get this whole set because it all fits together. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the apostle Paul was speaking. And he said in verse... 16, he had just been mentioning about how that it seemed like the apostles, Paul, had suffered more than other people. It was like other people were blessed. The people he ministered to were blessed and they prospered and they began to see great things happen. But Paul and the other apostles themselves were just persecuted and negative things were happening unto them. But he wasn't saying this because he was bitter or complaining. He said in verse 16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I could preach on this for hours. 
This, in a sense, is what I've been talking about all week long. You need to learn how to live out of the Spirit and not out of the flesh. In the Spirit, you're perfect. In the Spirit, there is no lack or inadequacy. Your spirit man never gets tired. It never gets discouraged. It never has a problem. It always has love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That's the way that you are in the Spirit. And yet all of us experience time that I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm giving up. I quit. What does God expect me to do? A person who says something like that isn't living in the spirit, they're living in the flesh. And your flesh has limitations. But the born again part of you can do all things through Christ. And you've got to learn how, just like Paul, that in the outward man, things are happening. You're perishing every day, but the inner man is getting stronger every single day. Boy, that is a powerful truth. Like I said, I could preach on that, but that's not where I'm wanting to go. In verse 17, it says, For our light affliction which is but for a moment. Now, before I even read the rest of this, let me just make a couple of comments. Somebody's thinking, well, Paul, he just had a light affliction. My affliction is so heavy. Nobody knows the trouble I feel. Nobody knows my woe. You just don't know how bad my situation is. The apostle Paul here, if you wanted, I'm not going to take time to do it, but if you were to turn over to the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, he lists his light afflictions. And they're being persecuted, shipwrecked, beaten with rods, which is where they hung you up and took rods, metal rods, and beat the back of your legs and feet until they broke bones so that you never walked exactly normal again. He was beaten with rods. He was beaten with whips. He suffered so many stripes he couldn't count them all. He was afflicted. He was hungry. He was shipwrecked. He was in the uh, deep a night and a day. And he had all, he just lists all of his light afflictions. So my point is, if those are what Paul is talking about are light afflictions, and if he is able to say it's just a light affliction... There's nobody in here that's had as much problems as Paul has, and so you hadn't got an excuse or a justification for you talking about how bad your situation is. Thank you for that stunning silence. (laughs) People don't like this because, well, I'm offended by that. You know what? I'm trying to say that we have magnified the flesh and all of the things that we have to have, and that... There are people that come to me that are just depressed and ready to quit and not serve God anymore because God hasn't come through for them. They aren't walking in prosperity. And they live in a $250,000 home and they drive nice cars and they got air conditioning. They got all of this and they're upset because they don't have the newest deal. They've only got four plasma screen TVs instead of five and they're upset because they were believing God for a new this or a new that. We have become so dependent upon the flesh. We indulge the flesh so much that we magnify our problems and make big things out of nothing. You know, I've heard of kids before. I've heard people say that kids today have pressures and problems that we never knew about. I don't believe that that's true. The Bible says there is nothing new under the sun. Kids aren't under more problems. Oh, you just don't know what's going on. I mean... I don't have those shoes that when you walk, they light up and all of my friends do. And the only reason that's such a big deal is because their values are so misplaced. You know, we've got a friend, Bob Barker in the UK, and I, I always seem to get this wrong. But anyway, Bob Barker was one of those that was 
during World War II, they took the children away from their families and put them out in the midst of a field and put them in tents a hundred at a time. And there was just a, like an adult couple or something that oversaw them for two or three years while London was being bombed. And these kids at, how old was he? four, five, 10, I don't know, but he was a real, he was less than 10 years old living out in the field with a hundred other kids and just fed food every once in a while and supervised minimal amount away from their family for years. Now that's stress, but not having the designer logo on the pocket of your jeans is not stress unless you just are, have all misplaced priorities. And we as adults, well, I'm stressed out because I didn't get this raise. Just pull your thumb out of your mouth and grow up and realize there's something more important than whether you make this CEO position and stuff. Forgive me for being blunt, but I'm leaving. Amen. I just got to say it like it is. You need to let the Holy Ghost interpret this and maybe modify it. But this is what Paul's doing. He says, it's just a light affliction. They're trying to kill me. Every time Paul went into a town, you know, we go and check into the hotel, into the Biltmore, into a nice hotel and make a reservation. Paul would walk into a town and go by the jail and says, save me a spot, amen. I'll be there before I leave town. Keep me a place. Man, Paul was persecuted more than anybody else. And he says, it's just a light affliction. I've been beaten. He was put in prison for over two years for something that he didn't even do. And it was just politics that held him there. And he just wrote half of the Bible, half of the New Testament. Just used the time, changed the world. It's just a light affliction. It's no big deal. Brothers and sisters, we have magnified... It's just selfishness. You know, when you are only thinking about yourself, it just magnifies these things. Satan puts a little tiny toothpick in your way. And by the time we get through looking at this through the eyes of selfishness, it becomes this huge bat and he's just beating your brains out with something that is insignificant. It's not that important. Paul says it's just a light affliction. If he had more problems than you do and he called it a light affliction, you have no justification for talking about how terrible your situation is. It's not what's happening to you that's the problem. It's the way you process it that is the problem. Paul said it's just a light affliction. You know, your mind has the ability. I could spend a whole time teaching on this. I'm really trying to go somewhere else. But these are all important things along the way that I'm saying. Your mind has the ability to magnify or shrink things. It's just like a pair of binoculars. If you look at things and focus on it, whatever you focus your attention on gets bigger. The Bible says, magnify the Lord with me. You can't make God bigger. God is who he is regardless of what you think. But as far as your opinion, as far as your understanding goes, you can make God bigger by focusing on Him and thinking on the things of God. And God will get so big to you that when cancer comes, it's like cancer's nothing. It's no big deal. Or you can turn those binoculars around and look through the big end and out the little end and you can shrink things. 
Your mind does that. Whatever you focus your attention on gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you focus your attention on what the doctor says, on what the banker says, on what the unbelievers say, on what the news broadcast is saying, on your problems, if you think about it, your problems get bigger and bigger and bigger. If you think on the Word of God, then the Word of God and God gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And by you focusing on God, that means that you are not focusing on the other things and those things will begin to shrink. And you'll get to a place to where cancer, oh yeah, the doctor said I has cancer, but it's, it's really no big deal. Amen. I'm either going to get healed and have a great testimony to glorify God, or I'm going to go meet Jesus. No big deal. Either way, I win. I can't lose for winning. And you can get to where you just magnify the things of God and shrink the things of this world, and you can live a life that is positive in the midst of being negative. That's what Paul is talking about. He says it's just a light affliction, and he gives two reasons here. He says the first one, it's just for a moment. You know, we don't know exactly how long after Paul got born again that he ministered, but his uh, journeys that are described in the book of Acts, uh, some of them took two and three years to complete one journey, and he had three missionary trips, and he had some time in between that. He spent 13 years before he even started ministering. So anyway, it could have been 20 or 30 years of ministry. We don't know exactly. And he says, it's just a moment. All of these problems I'm having 20 or 30 years, it's no big deal. It's just for a minute. Again, most people think 20 or 30 years. I've talked to some people that they've been believing for something for two months. And they haven't seen anything happen yet. And they're just ready to quit and give up. 20 or 30 years sounds like an eternity to most people. Are you aware that when you were a little kid, it seemed like that a year was forever? Do you remember that? Do you have any little kids or grandkids around? And I mean, they, if you tell them that it's a year until we're going someplace, a year is just forever. You know, when you're immature, a short period of time seems like a big period of time. But the older you get... It seems like a year goes by before you can even think about it. Did you know the more mature you get, it gets to where things shrink and it, and it's, it seems like time is just flying. The more mature in the Lord you get, you get to where, man, if I have to stand for five years, like this building project that we're doing is going to take probably 40 months or something like that. And you know what? It'll be gone like that. That's nothing. Man, I feel rushed. And you know, at the more you mature in the Lord, you get to where you look at things differently. You put things into perspective. The only way to understand what he was saying, when he says, this light affliction is only for a moment, it's because he put it into the light of eternity. He was thinking about, I'm going to live forever. This life isn't all that there is. You don't need to live your life like this life is all that there is. You need to live your life like you're going to live forever. You are going to live forever. And you need to be thinking about that. And you need to remember, if you're living with somebody and it, it seems like you've been praying for 10 years for them to get saved and they hadn't got saved yet, and you're just ready to quit because how long am I going to live my whole life like this? Well, it's just for a moment. Your whole life is just for a moment. It's no big deal. You're going to spend eternity in a mansion in perf perfection and whatever problems you have in that marriage, it's no big deal. Thank you for that thunderous silence. 
Again, this is not the way that the world thinks, but this is the way that Paul was thinking. It's just a light affliction. It's just for a moment. You know, some of you have heard me give this testimony. I've given it a lot, but it's to me the most classic example of this that I've ever seen. That I, I was ministering to a, a partner of mine in Charlotte, has a business, and he has me come in and speak to his business. And he tells them the clock is running. Listen to this guy talk for as long as he wants to. And I just go in and preach to him. They have about 20 or 30 employees. And uh, a number of years back, I did that. And 10 of his employees got born again. They came back into a break room afterwards. And I got to talk to them one by one. And the boss paid them for coming and talking to me. And I got to lead 10 of them to the Lord. And this one woman walked in. And she had tried to kill herself the day before. She had been in the hospital because she slit her wrist and they put her in the psychiatric ward and it was her first day back at work. She was an alcoholic. Her husband was an alcoholic. They were dirt poor. I went over to their house after this. And I mean, it was just squalid conditions. It, everything in her life was bad. And it was like her third or fourth marriage and her husband had told her he was going to divorce her and that's the reason that she had tried to kill herself. She was just totally ready to give up. And she came back to see me and she said, I'm not a Christian like you and Chip, the owner of this business. But he says, I know that God is real and that prayer works. And would you please pray for me that I wouldn't get, that my husband wouldn't divorce me. If I go through another divorce, I can't live. That's the reason she tried to kill herself. And so I said, now let me make sure I understand this properly. You aren't a Christian. And you know that you aren't a Christian. And she said, that's right. And I said, if you were to die right now, you would go to hell and not to heaven. And she said, that's right. And I said, lady, do you realize that after you've burned in hell for a thousand years, you won't give a rip whether that marriage worked or not? Who cares about your marriage? <laughs> I said, who cares about it? And she just looked at me like somebody had slapped her. She quit crying and... She says, you know, I think you're right. I need to be saved. And I said, you do need to be saved. And so I prayed with her and she got born again. And then we prayed about her marriage. I'm not saying that God doesn't care about your marriage, but see, if you put things into perspective, some of you, you've been praying and your marriage hasn't worked out yet. And because of it, you just feel justified in being depressed and discouraged and negative instead of positive because, oh, you don't know about this situation. You still should be positive. If you put it into perspective, if your marriage never changed, you ought to rejoice over this, that the Bible says in heaven, they don't marry nor are given in marriage. You ought to say, thank you, Jesus. This is only temporary. Amen. Oh man, another 30 years is all I've got to put up with this. And then I'm going to live forever without this. Amen. Or you could look at the scripture where it says that God has engraven you upon the palms of his hand. It says a mother may forget her sucking child, but I will never forget you. I've engraven you on the palms of my hand. And you ought to say, thank you, Jesus, that you'll never divorce me. Thank you that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. You could still be rejoicing if you put things into perspective of eternity and realize that it doesn't matter how much you suffer here. You are going to live forever and ever and ever, which is a really long time in perfection. And everything's going to be awesome. And if you would put it into per perspective, then you know what? It would be just a light affliction. All that could happen is, that for I mean, at the very worst is for 40 or 50 years, the devil just give you a terrible time. That's the worst that could happen. And then you're going to live forever in glory. And if you had that attitude... 
You could be rejoicing. You could be singing, praising God. Did you know in some ways, spirit-filled people are the most negative, and I don't, I'm not criticizing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've got it. I believe it's essential. You need it. But spirit-filled people have an increased expectancy, a different hope than the average Christian. The type of Christianity I was raised in taught that all you did was get born again and then you're saved and stuck until you die and go to be with the Lord. That there is no victory in this life. You can't be healed. God puts sickness on you. It's your troubles that make you better and humble you and you expected and talked about problems and if you really loved God he was going to send you to a grass hut in Africa and make you live in squalid poverty the rest of your life and there wasn't anything good that was going to happen until you got to heaven so man we sang when we all get to heaven what a day that's going to be further along we'll understand why and we sang about heaven and did you know to a degree what that does that allows people that aren't spirit-filled to actually rejoice in hard times better sometimes than spirit-filled people because spirit-filled people know that God does want them well. God does want them to prosper. There is victory and so they have an increased hope level that other people don't have. And the scripture says, Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And if your hopes raise and if you don't experience that blessing, then you have set yourself up for disappointment and potential discouragement. And so many times people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit get upset. Like for instance, they have a cold and they're trying to believe God for healing. And so they stand against the flu or against the cold and it just drags on and it and they don't see the healing that they want. And they get depressed and discouraged because they didn't get healed. And a Christian who doesn't even believe in healing isn't discouraged because they just expect that they're going to get the cold. They're going to get the flu every year and it's no big deal to them. And so that's how it works. But it ought to be just the opposite. That if we would take the Spirit and let the Holy Spirit reveal the Word and encourage us and speak in tongues, you know what? You ought to be to a place that I don't care if you're going through a bad spot, if things haven't worked out the way you think, just think about heaven and think about, Father, praise God that there is coming a time that all of this pain, all of this suffering will be over. And we should be able to rejoice more than anybody else. And yet, sad to say, there are a lot of spirit-filled Christians that are upset over things that don't even upset other Christians because they aren't expecting and believing for it. So you need to make a deliberate effort to put things into their proper perspective and realize that this light affliction that you're suffering is just for a moment. That's one of the ways that he shrunk things down is he put it into the perspective of eternity. What's bothering you right now is it going to even be a factor a year from now? What upset you today, this week? Is it, will you even remember what it was that took away your joy a year from now or two years from now or three years from now? Well, I can guarantee you a million years from now in eternity is going to be no big deal. If you just keep increasing your uh, vision and putting things into perspective, you can shrink any problem down to where it's no big deal. It's like you can look at a mirror through the big part of a binoculars and out the small end and you could look at a mountain out there. You could 
look at Pinnacle Peak or, or watch this Camelback. You could look through binoculars and make them so small, you could just reach out and grab it like that. Amen. It's no big deal. That's what you can do with your problems. You look at things in the light of eternity and it just shrinks it down to nothing. So our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And here's the second thing in verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Now think about this. He says we are looking not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. How do you see something that isn't seen? Paul is saying, I'm looking not at the things which are seen, but I'm looking at the things which are not seen. You know, most people, when they read the Bible, they honestly don't use their brain. They just, they're reading so that they can fill out a card on their thing that I've read my daily Bible readings and it's a duty and they don't sit there and meditate. If you would use your head for something besides a hat rack, it would really help you to get revelation out of the word. What does it mean when he says, I'm looking at the things that can't be seen? You have an ability to see with your heart. I, and I'm going to say some things really quickly. I could teach on this for hours. And so I don't have time to verify all of this. I've got other teachings that go along with it that will go into more detail. But let me just say that when God created Adam and Eve, I don't believe he created them exactly the way we see people function today. I believe God created us not with just five senses, but with six senses. And our sixth sense was faith. That we had an ability to see with our heart and know things in our heart that you can't see with your eyes. You know, animals can perceive things in the spiritual realm that people can't. One of the scriptural examples of this is Balaam's donkey. Balaam's donkey saw the angel standing there with a sword drawn in his hand and Balaam couldn't see it. Animals have an ability to perceive things in the spirit realm. I've had horses all of my life, and horses can tell if you're fearful. They can sense fear, or they can sense confidence in things like this. Uh, animals have an ability to perceive things. I believe that when God created man, we weren't... I, I believe in evolution. I believe we have evolved, de-evolved. We started out much greater than what we are. We used to be able to see things that we can't see now. Our appendix used to have a purpose. They don't know what purpose it serves now, but you know what? We used to have faith. We used to see things by faith. Again, I'm not going to take time to turn over there because I'll get sidetracked and preach on this all night long. But in Genesis chapter 3, it says that when Satan tempted them, it says when Eve saw that the tree was good for food. And the scripture says that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the midst of the garden. If you look that up in the Greek, it's talking about a mathematical term that if you took two diagonals through the Garden of Eden, the intersection of those two diagonals would be the midst of the garden. And the significance of that is this tree wasn't over in a corner someplace where it was out of view and they never saw it. It was by virtue of the fact it was in the midst of the garden, they passed this tree more than they had passed any other tree in the garden. It was always there and yet they had never noticed this tree. She had never looked at the tree. 
Now see, with us, our fallen human nature where we aren't walking by faith and we're walking by sight, if God told us not to do something, we would go, we would build a fence around it to keep us from touching it, but we would lean as far over the fence as we could and we'd study that tree. Why did God tell me not to eat of that? What is God up to? I wonder what's wrong. We would, we would analyze it to the max. They hadn't even noticed it because God told them that it wasn't for them and they, they hadn't noticed it. And here's my understanding of that. They weren't walking by sight. They were walking by faith. And to prove that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, the first thing that happened after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says that their eyes of them both were opened and that they knew that they were naked. They had never noticed they were naked before. And some people say, well, they were clothed with the glory of God. They had a robe of righteousness over them. And so, and they spiritualize it. But if you'll go back to the last verse, I think it's Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. It says, they were both naked, the man and his wife. You can make analogies and you can say they were clothed with the glory of God for the purposes of illustration. But the truth is they were both but naked. <laughs> Amen. They did not have any clothes on. Adam and Eve were naked for days, weeks, months, years and never noticed that they were naked. And when they ate of the tree, all of a sudden their eyes were open and they saw that they were naked. How could you not know you were naked? You know how? They were walking by faith and not by sight. They had five senses because when they were tempted and told about the tree, all of a sudden they started looking at it. They had eyes, but they weren't walking by sight. They were walking by faith. If you're still in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, which I'm headed that way if I can talk quick enough, uh, it says we walk by faith and not by sight. That's the way that we as believers are supposed to walk where faith is controlling us. Faith is dominating us and not our physical eyesight. But it, and that's the way that God created Adam and Eve to be. They were walking so much by faith that they didn't even notice whether they were clothed or whether the other person was clothed or not. They were so God conscious. They were seeing with their heart that they didn't even notice each other in the flesh. Most of you are sitting here just thinking, I can't relate. I can't understand. But this is where God created us to be. Are you still in second Corinthians chapter five, verse 16? Look at this. He says, wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. You know what this is talking about? Paul is saying that there was a time that they knew Christ in the physical. They knew what he looked like. They knew how tall he was. They knew what color his hair was. They knew whether his, how big his nose was, what, what color his eyes were. They knew him by the flesh. He says there was a time we knew him in the flesh, but we don't know him that way anymore. You know, John, the person who wrote the book of John, one of the apostles, at the Last Supper, he laid his head over on Jesus' chest. They didn't sit at chairs around tables the way we did. They had a real low table and they had pillows and they reclined on them. And uh, 
John and Jesus loved each other so much that as they were eating supper, John just put his head over on Jesus' chest and leaned on him. Nothing wrong with that. It was just affection. It was the kind of love that Jesus had among his disciples. Did you know that Jesus didn't change one bit? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But in the first chapter of the book of Revelation, the same man John saw Jesus now in his glorified body and saw him with his hair as white as snow and his eyes like flame of fire and his feet were like polished brass. And when he spoke, it was like Niagara Falls. It was the sound of many waters. And it was so majestic and awesome that the same man who had put his head over on Jesus' chest when he was wrapped in a physical body that kept him from seeing who Jesus really was, the same man who had been that familiar with him, now when he saw him in his glory, fell at his feet as if he was dead. He nearly died of a heart attack and God had to strengthen him. Jesus didn't change. The only thing that happened was John's perception of who Jesus was changed. And you know what? Jesus was the same. When Jesus stood on the Mount of Transfiguration and all of a sudden he began to radiate light, it became so bright it said that you couldn't even look at it. Did you know all that happened was this physical body was like a veil, a curtain that Jesus wore around him and people knew him in the flesh. They could see his flesh and it kept people from being afraid and overwhelmed by him. But Jesus was God on the inside. And when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, it's just like they drew that curtain back for a moment so that he could fellowship with his father the way he really was. And when his disciples looked, he was radiating light like the sun. That's the way that he always was. But that veil was over that kept people from seeing it. Did you know when God originally created us, we could see that glory. We could see with our heart. We could perceive what was going on in the spirit. Men walked by faith and not by sight. And they were so God conscious that they never even looked at themselves. Not because they didn't have the capability they were just so occupied by God that they had never even noticed whether they had clothes. And the moment that they sinned and that life of God was cut off, their spiritual eyes closed. And it says in Genesis 3, 7, their eyes were open. Do you think that Adam and Eve had been walking around with their eyes closed for weeks, months, years? No, their eyes had been open. But their spiritual sight, faith, was so dominant, it was like they weren't seeing with their eyes, they were seeing with their heart. When it says that they saw the Lord, when they heard the voice of the Lord, now this is a little bit of liberty on my part, but I've studied this, and I don't think that they saw Him with their physical eyes. I don't believe that they heard Him with their physical ears. I believe that they were hearing Him with faith, the same way that we can hear God. They were in tune. That God was what, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the midst, in the cool of the evening. They were doing this all by faith. You have ears on the inside. This is what Jesus said when he says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Every person in the group had physical ears. But he says, if you can hear with your heart, then listen to what I'm saying. Adam and Eve were able to see into the spiritual realm with their heart. They were able to hear things, God speaking to them with their heart. This is the way that God created them. And when they ate of this tree and sinned, their spiritual eyesight and hearing quit and they were left to nothing but their five senses. 
which is the way most of us have thought that's the only way we can live. And if we can't see it, taste it, hear it, smell it, or feel it, it doesn't exist. And so we come into a problem about the Bible says we're healed. And so we pray and get prayer, but then we run immediately to get the test and see if, it, if we were really healed. We think that you, it, nothing happens until it's manifest in the flesh. And yet the scripture shows us that there's all kinds of things happening in the spiritual realm. Again, for time's sake, I'm talking as fast as I can. I'm not going to take time to turn over there and read it, but in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, there's an example of Elisha, the prophet, who is telling the king of Israel all of the plans of the king of Syria. They were at war with each other, and every time the king of Syria would invade the nation of Israel, Elisha would tell the king about it, and the king would go and ambush the king of Syria's ambush. And this happened so many times that finally the king of Syria says, somebody here is a traitor. Somebody has to be giving the king of Israel my battle plans. And one of his servants says, it's not any of us, it's Elisha, the prophet of God. He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. And man, the king was just shocked. So he sent his armies down to Dothan where Elisha was And when Elisha's servant got up in the morning, he went out and stood on the walls of the city and he looked and the city was completely surrounded by the Syrians. And so he ran to Elisha and he said, Alas, my master, how shall we do? He knew that they had been giving away the battle plans. He knew that somebody had to have found out what was going on. And this servant knew that Elisha and him were in big trouble. Amen. And so he says, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Which is old English for he panicked. (laughs) And here's the way that Elisha responded. Have you got that up there? He answered, he says, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And you know, this is a great example because there's a lot of people that when you say, in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. You got a lot of people that'll say, oh yeah, this is one of those name it, claim it, blab it, grab it guys. They just say that it's so when it's really not so. And if you'll say that it's so long enough, maybe it'll become so. That's what people think faith is. That's not faith. Faith is not faking it until you make it. That's what a lot of people think faith is. But what faith is, is perceiving that there is more to reality than this physical realm. If all you think is real is this physical realm, then Elisha lied. Because he said there's more with us than there are with them. And if all you do is check the physical realm, then he lied. Because you could count the Syrians by thousand, one thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, and then you look over and go one, two If all you're doing is looking in the natural realm, Elisha lied. And this is what a lot of people think that faith people are when they say, I'm healed. And anybody can tell by looking at you that you're sick. And they think, well, you're a liar. You're just lying and hoping that it'll become real. And that's what a lot of people think faith is. And it would be a lie if all that's real is what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And this is what our world thinks today. Our scientific community, our enlightened, sophisticated age believes that if you can't prove it in a test tube, then it doesn't exist. I've heard people before on a talk show call in and start talking about God or something. And I've heard the talk show host say, now, hey, we aren't having any of that. We're only dealing with reality, no opinions, no anything. And they think that if you can't prove it in a test tube, it doesn't exist. 
Let me just be as polite as I can be about that, that that is ignorance gone to seed. There is an entire universe and things that exist beyond your ability to see, taste, hear, and feel. The Bible teaches us that there's angels. There's angels in this room tonight. And there's demons in this room. Somebody says, well, I hadn't seen them. That doesn't mean that they aren't here. You haven't seen television signals. And yet they're in this room. And if you say, well, they are not because I can't see or hear them. It doesn't mean that they aren't here. It just means you aren't real smart. (laughs) There are television and radio signals in this room. And all you have to do is put a television set up here and plug it in, turn it on, tune it in. And when that television set starts broadcasting an image and you hear the sound, is not when the signal starts. The signal's already here in an unseen realm. That television set just perceives something that you can't perceive with your little peanut brain and then it puts it back into a realm that you can see and perceive. But it's here. Radio signals, television signals are here. Angels are in this room. Demons are in this room. Somebody says, well, no no demons. We've prayed. We bound all the devils out of here. A devil couldn't get in here. Well, then we wouldn't have near as many people in this room. I'm not saying that to be critical, but did you know what? Depression is demonic. Jesus cast sickness out of people. Deafness is demonic. We've seen 30 people healed of deafness this week. And the scripture says that he cast a spirit of deafness, a spirit of blindness out. There's a lot of things that are demonic. Poverty is demonic. If you believe that God is mad at you, that's a demonic power. There's demons in this room. There's spirits in this room. Angelic and demonic spirits. If you don't believe that they're here just because you can't see them, it doesn't mean that they aren't here. It just means that you are carnal. The word carnal doesn't mean sinful. It doesn't mean bad. It just means of the five senses. You are limited to your five senses. You can't believe that anything exists that you can't see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. That's carnal. The word carnal means of the five senses. That's what it's talking about. And sad to say, most people are carnal. But see, Paul was saying, I'm seeing things that you can't see. Christians have an ability to see with their heart, to walk by faith. I can't see any angels in this room, but I know they're here. I've had people before who saw angels standing behind me when I ministered. I've never seen them, but I know that they're there. I could even tell you two of their names. I can. Goodness and mercy. It says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the day. So one of my angels is named goodness and one's named mercy. And Gail told me that another one, he says, surely goodness and mercy. (laughs) So I could even say one of them, surely, amen. I know that angels are here. Just because I can't see it doesn't mean that they aren't here. Somebody's like, I would never live that way, living by superstition. It's not superstition if it's based on what God's Word says. God's Word is forever settled. This shows us what's going on in the spirit realm. And if what you are seeing and hearing and believing is consistent with Scripture, it is not superstition. Now, certainly there's been people that in the name of the Lord have claimed all kinds of weird things and they've given Christianity a bad name. 
And I hadn't even got time to defend that. I'm not saying that every person who claims something uh, that they see or feel something or know something is correct. But if it lines up with the word of God, if it is based on scripture, then it's true. This is how you see into the spirit realm. John 6.63 says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is your window into the spirit realm. What are you like? What is really going on in your life? This will tell you. This will tell you that you can do all things. You go look in the mirror and with your carnal mind think, I can't do it. But if you could see with your heart, you could say, I can do all things. You could see yourself in Christ Jesus that as he is, so am I in this world. You could see yourself that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You can see with your heart. This is what Paul is talking about. I'm not looking at things that are seen. I'm looking at things that can't be seen. So going back to 2 Kings chapter 6, after Gehazi, Elijah's servant, Elisha's servant, said, what are we going to do? He said, fear not. Those that be with us are more than those that be with them. And I'm sure Gehazi just thought, oh, sure. You're crazy. You're one of these, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You're a faith guy. And so you know what he did? He prayed and he said, Lord, open up the young man's eyes. Now, he wasn't talking about his physical eyes. His physical eyes were open. They were as big as saucers looking at all of those Syrians out there. His eyes were open. He wasn't praying about God opening up his eyes. He was praying about open up his sixth sense, his ability to see with his heart. God let him see in the spirit realm. And the Lord opened up his spiritual eyes. And sure enough, on the mountains round about them were horses and chariots of fire, the angels of God. And you know what? What Elisha said wasn't a lie. He wasn't just saying that something was so when it wasn't so. He was saying the truth. If you take all of reality into account, if you take the spiritual realm into account, he didn't lie. He was speaking the truth. People who sit there and criticize us for speaking our faith and they say, you can't prove that to me. It's the people that have that carnal mindset that are the ones that aren't playing with the full deck. They're the ones that aren't taking reality into account. They aren't seeing things as they really are. Nobody is as blind as a person who can only see with your physical eyes. If you can't see with your heart, if you can't perceive God, if you can't hear God and feel His presence and enjoy the presence of God, you are spiritually blind. You are spiritually deaf. God created Adam and Eve the opposite of this. See what happened to Gehazi when his eyes were open and he saw the angels of God? It was the exact opposite of what happened to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had been walking by faith and their sight, spiritual sight, was more dominant than their physical sight. When they sinned, their spiritual sight ceased and their physical eyes opened. Gehazi had lived with nothing but his physical eyesight and when Elisha prayed for him, all of a sudden his spiritual eyes opened up and he was able to perceive things that you can't perceive with your five senses. It was the exact opposite of what happened with Adam and Eve. And when we get born again, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, when we get born again, now God has given us back this sixth sense. You can see by faith. You can know things in your heart that you can't know in your head. You can hear the voice of God with your heart that you can't hear with your head. 
You can understand things with your heart that you can't understand with your head. I've got a complete, absolute, total peace. Honestly, I have not had one anxious thought about having to raise $40 million. That defies logic. There was times back when $100 used to... I, there was a time where we were in such bad shape that I was asleep and I was having nightmares and I'm a vivid dreamer. And apparently I was talking in my sleep and I, I had this dream that it was so bad I just quit. And I went and joined the Air Force. And I was going to pay back all of my debts by joining the Air Force. And I mean, I'm a vivid dreamer. I dream in color. It's hard for me to tell if I'm dreaming or if I'm awake. And anyway, I woke up in the morning and I, I realized, oh, it was a dream. And I was laying in bed saying, thank you, Jesus, that I didn't have to go join the Air Force. And Jamie leaned over and she says, you know, things aren't so bad that you had to go join the Air Force. <laughs> and boy, for just a second, I mean, my heart just, oh, God, it was real. I really did. <laughs> and then she started laughing. I'd been talking in my sleep and she had heard me. But there was a time that I used to worry over $100 or over $1,000. Now $35 million, no big deal. Because I've learned how to walk by faith. I've learned how to see things differently and I can see it. I can see it. And this is what Paul is talking about. He goes on in the fifth chapter. I'm not going to take time to read it all, but he's, he's expressing and giving you an example of how he sees by faith. He says, because if this physical body was to be dissolved, we have another body for us. Where's your proof of that? You can't prove that we're going to get a glorified body. It's something that we believe, but you can't prove it in a test tube. Paul was talking about faith. He saw with his heart that we were going to have a glorified body. He said over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that, man, if Christ rose from the dead, how do some people say that we aren't going to rise from the dead? If, Christ, if we don't rise from the dead, then Jesus isn't raised from the dead. Our faith is in vain. And he wrote the whole 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians to show that we are going to have a physical resurrection. We will have a glorified body. He believed it. And so this is what he's talking about. And he says, if this house is dissolved, we got another house. we got another body. And he, he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 5, he says, Now he that wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who hath also given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore... We are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord. As long as you are carnal and limited to this body and only operating in the physical realm, you are separated from the Lord. It doesn't have to be that way because you aren't only a physical body. You've got a born-again spirit that can operate in things beyond the natural. You can see and hear things that you can't see and hear. You can live that way. And then he says in the next verse, For we walk by faith and not by sight. That's the normal Christian life. Brothers and sisters, most Christians don't walk by faith. They do walk by sight. Most Christians are more moved by what they see, taste, hear, smell, and feel than they are what the Word says. And that is the problem. Because all of God's power is in the spirit part of us. You have to believe and faith is like a bridge that allows what's true in the spirit realm to come over into this physical realm. 
I believe that God wants us to physically be well and to have prosperity and feel these things in the physical realm, but it all starts in the spirit and faith is the way that that comes from the spirit into the physical realm. And if you can't believe for something that you can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel, then you are shutting off the flow of God through you into the physical realm. You've got to get to where you see things that you can't see, that you hear things that you can't hear. For we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul was so convinced of this that he was living in the Spirit. He says, it's not me living, it's Christ living in me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul was living more in the Spirit than he was in the physical. He was in the physical, but it was the Spirit that was controlling him and dominating him so much so that he says, man, I'd rather go to be with the Lord. Heaven was more real to him than the physical world. When you get like that, not much will bother you. When you get to where the spirit, you know, they can't touch your spirit. They could whip you. They could beat you. They could put you in prison, but your spirit can't be touched. You can be in relationship with God. You can be in a hard time. You can be going through problems and your spirit is just rejoicing and praising God. When you get to where you walk by the spirit and not in the flesh... Man, you just become immune to all of the negativeness of this world, all of the fear of this world. But the problem is we have been dominated and limited to the flesh. You don't have to be that way. You shouldn't be that way. It takes time to develop. And many people haven't operated in the spirit because they haven't even got a goal of it. They don't even know that it's possible. They look around and think that just being human is the way that you have to live. You aren't only human. You are born again. There is a part of you that is supernatural and it's identical to Jesus. You aren't growing to be like Jesus. In your flesh, it's becoming more like Jesus as you renew your mind. But your spirit, the moment you get born again, is identical to Jesus. It has his mind, 1 Corinthians 2, 16, Colossians 3, 10, 1 Peter, I mean 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. Many scriptures, you have the mind of Christ you know all things. That's not true with your little peanut brain. But in your spirit, you know everything. And this is the reason it's so important to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit does many things. One of them is He'll give you the ability to speak in tongues. And the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14 that when I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. What is that spirit praying? According to 1 Corinthians 14, 2, the hidden wisdom of God. You are speaking the wisdom of God out of your mouth. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says, if you pray in tongues, pray that you interpret. So when you come up against something that you don't know what to do, all you got to do is start praying in tongues. And your spirit is praying the hidden wisdom of God. You've got a scripture that says, interpret it. And you know what? You can get this mind of Christ that is in your spirit interpreted and out here into the physical realm where all of a sudden you have creative ideas and you understand things and God gives you wisdom and you're able to do things that you couldn't do otherwise. I could give you 10 million examples of this. You know, this whole thing that we talked about this week, I mean tonight, about this property and the Lord giving us this, we were moving towards, we had to do something. And I just, as I prayed, I was listening with my heart. God began to show me and it became obvious to me that we had to do something now. If we were going to build, it was going to take two or three years. And I sat down and started meditating. And so I got some guys together. We started discussing it. And um, 
God supernaturally led us. We went and did some things. And I mean, we have bought a piece of property that's probably worth at least 10 million, maybe $15 million for $4 million. What a great idea. What a great deal. You know, my mother just died this year, Jan, uh, June the 1st, 96 years old. And I was talking to her right before she died. And she was asking me to tell her once again about all the things God was doing around the world uh, through the ministry. And she just loved it. She was so excited. And I was telling her about all of these things. And she looked at me and stuck her little bony finger right in my face. And she said, Andy, you know you aren't smart enough to do that. And I said, yes, mother, I know I am not smart enough to do that. I'm telling you, this wasn't my great genius that made us get something for one-fourth of what it's worth. You know what it was? I was just praying and seeking God and the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you and God starts inspiring you. And so you, you just begin to take steps here and there and God makes you look good. And God makes things work out if you will start listening. You have an ability to know things with your heart that you can't know with your head. This is a time that everybody's saying, hold back. We have access to a number of churches and ministries that when this recession hit, before they had any decrease in their income, they decreased their expenses 20%, 25%, anticipating problems when they didn't even have a problem. That's the wisdom of the world. We have increased. We've increased over 20% during a recession. We went out and bought the biggest purchase of our life. I'm starting into the biggest expense I've ever had in my life. It's counterintuitive, but it fits well with the heart. And you hide and watch. Some of you may not agree with what I'm saying, but you hide and watch. Within the next three or four years, I'll have $35 million and I'll do this thing debt free and it'll be done. And you may say, well... You may say, well, it'll never happen. Well, that's because you don't believe. It'll happen. And when it happens, you'll have to say, man, I remember when he started talking about this. That was an absolute miracle. And you know how all this happens? Because you can see things with your heart that you can't see with your head. If all you're doing is saying, oh, God, heal me. And then you go to the mirror to see, is, is the tumor gone? You, you feel to see is the pain gone. And you're always looking in the physical to find out, is God real? Did God move? You're carnal. And the carnal mind is enmity against God. Romans chapter 8, around verse 5, 6, or 7, somewhere in there. It says the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. If you are just going to go by your five senses, you are never going to experience God's power. You've got to get to where you start seeing by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. You've got to see what you can't see. Isn't that powerful? You know, the building that we're in now, when we got it, it was an empty thing. And I had to believe God for the money. $3.2 million to redo that. And that was, that was 10 times a hundred times what I'd ever believed for it at that time. It was a major step. And you know what I did? I started seeing by faith. I sat down and I drew plans. I had our builder put uh, duct tape on the floor where the walls were going to be. And I used to walk that thing. I would walk five miles, ten miles a night praying in tongues. And I'd walk and pray and I'd see that building finished. 
And I never stepped over the tape because I saw those walls. I would walk around to where the door was and I'd open that door and I'd walk through. I was seeing it with my heart. I'm sure that if people would have seen me in there, they would have thought, you're absolutely crazy. You've lost your mind. But you know what I was doing? I was seeing with my heart. We built a stage and I put buckets up there, five-gallon buckets and plywood on top of it and I stood where the stage was going to be and I preached to people that weren't there. I preached entire messages. I saw it. And then when we got it done and it was debt-free and we moved in, which was an absolute miracle, man, all of my Bible college students and staff, everybody was so excited and they were just praising God and I was just the same. I was just standing here praising God and worshiping God. And people looked. I had one Bible college student come up and says, aren't you excited? And I said, yeah, I'm excited. He says, well, y'all don't act excited. And I said, you know what? I have been excited for a year. I was excited when I saw it with my heart. When I see it with my eyes, that's anticlimactic. When I see something in my heart, it's more real to me than when I see it with my physical eyes. Some of you may not understand that. If you're carnal, it just sounds like that's impossible. But I honestly am living that way. What I see with my heart is more real to me than what I see with my eyes. You know, we had a service where um, we invite people to come check out our Bible college. And this has been, I forget, four or five years ago, something like that. And we had about 200, 300 people in a hotel room. And I was sitting like right there, similar to the way we were. There was a center aisle and I was sitting there. And over on this side, there were double doors. And we were worshiping God. Jamie was singing and praying, uh, playing, and the presence of God fell, and people were just worshiping God. And I had my eyes closed worshiping God. And in my heart, with faith, I saw Jesus walk through those doors, just throw those doors open like that. And then he stepped inside, and those doors just closed behind him. And then he walked over to these two ladies that were from the Chicago area and were in our Bible school in Chicago. And he walked over to one and he just touched one on the head like that. And I mean, boom, she fell prostrate on the floor, spread eagle with her arms out, just worshiping God and praising God. And then he skipped two people and he walked over and touched this other woman and she fell to her knees and just put her hands up and began to start worshiping God. I was seeing all of this in my heart. And so, you know what, it was so real to me that standing there, I opened my eyes to look over here and see what I could see. And when I opened my eyes, both of those doors just went boom like that and open. But I couldn't see a person. But the doors opened and then they just slowly closed. And I kept looking and this first woman all of a sudden just fell on her face, arms out, praising God. And then in just a moment... The next woman that I'd seen, she fell to her knees and started. Everything I was seeing in my heart, I was seeing in the physical, except I couldn't see Jesus. And there was a 15 or 20 second delay from when I'd first seen it. And you know what I did? I closed my eyes because I could see better with my heart than I could see with my eyes. And I went back to just seeing Jesus. And Jesus came over and stood by me and talked to me. And then I saw him walk down the aisle and touch people. And after the service, I went and asked those people that didn't tell them what I'd seen. I said, what happened during that service? And they'd tell me something and it was exactly what I'd seen. 
Do you know you can get to where you can see better with your heart than you can see with your eyes? You can get to what you see and what you believe and what you feel in your heart is more real to you than what you feel in your body. It's more real to you than what the lawyer has to say, than what the banker has to say, than what the doctor has to say. This is what Paul was talking about. He's seeing things that can't be seen. He walked by faith and not by sight. At one time, they only knew Jesus in a physical way, but now they knew him after the Spirit. And he says, we don't know any man after the flesh. You know, if we would know people by the Spirit, if we would walk in faith, there wouldn't be any such thing as prejudice. You wouldn't look at the color of a person's skin. You wouldn't look at how nicely they're dressed, whether they have gold or jewelry. All of that is carnal. You'd look at the heart of a person. You'd know person heart to heart, spirit to spirit. You would evaluate people differently. You would see things differently. You would feel differently. And yet the sad thing is most people are just totally carnal. So how is it that you start walking by sight? I mean by faith and not by sight. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God, if you read it with your heart, if you open up your heart and let God speak to you, the word of God will give you spiritual eyesight and hearing. You'll start seeing things differently. You'll perceive things differently. You'll hear differently. You'll hear them talk about a recession and you'll, you'll hear instead that, man, my God shall supply all of my need. And you'll think differently and you'll act differently. And instead of responding in fear, you'll operate in faith. But I tell you, brothers and sisters, if all we do is is abandon ourselves to the carnal realm, all you're going to get is carnal results. Romans chapter 8, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Spiritually minded, John six sixty three. the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. For you to be spiritually minded, you've got to be word-minded. You've got to think according to the word. And if you get to where you spend more time in the word than you do in the world, you will become spiritual and you'll begin to start seeing and hearing and walking by faith. We see this happen all of the time in our Bible school. We have people come in and they felt stirred and they come to Bible school, but they don't know what they're getting into. And they come there and they have all kinds of attitudes and stuff, but they sit under the Word and all of a sudden they, their eyesight opens up. They start thinking differently. They feel differently. And before you know it, they're changed and they didn't even mean to change. It's effortless change. We had one guy come from Chicago who didn't want to come to Bible school. He was 17 years old, but his mother was a partner. And she sent him to school, bought him a car, bought him an apartment, all of the uh, furnishings for the apartment if he had just go to Bible school for six months. So he came to Bible school, 17-year-old kid, telling everybody, I'm just here for the first term. I'm out of here. I don't want... He was a nice guy. He wasn't bad. He wasn't rebellious. He just didn't want to be there. He was there so he could get the car and all of the things that his parents were going to give him. But you know what? He sat under the Word four hours a day for six months and at Christmas time, he went home not expecting to come back. And when he went home, he found out that he was different. 
his friends, he couldn't get along with them anymore. They were carnal. They were doing things that he didn't like anymore. A couple of his friends had been killed in the inner city of Chicago and he just realized, I don't like this life anymore. I don't want this. And boy, he was back in January and he finished all of school and graduated because the Word of God just changed him. This is a live book. You go to studying it, it will make you come alive. Your spirit, your spiritual hearing and faith will start developing and it'll just happen. You won't even know how it happens. I'm telling you, it works. This is not difficult, what I've said. I know many of you are thinking, oh, this is weird. This is far out. You know what? This is normal Christian living. Every one of you has done it, whether you realize it or not. I bet you that you've come to a crossroads. You've had to make a decision. And you thought about it. And you felt in your heart that you should do this. But logic... All of your counselors, everybody else said you've got to do this. And so you went ahead and followed logic. Turned out to be the wrong thing. You made the wrong mistake. And after you did it, you said, I knew in my heart I shouldn't have done that. I bet you every person in here has done that sometime or another. You know what that was? That was this faith, your spirit man that was giving you revelation and speaking to you. And you knew it, but you just didn't have any confidence in it. You leaned under your own understanding instead of following your heart. And I tell you, that is not the way that God wants you to live. If you could start following your heart, you would be positive. You would see things that other people can't see. You'd be like the Apostle Paul and say, oh, it's just light affliction. Man, the world is going to hell in a handbasket, but I read the end of the book and God wins and you'd just be rejoicing and praising God. You can look at whatever they're doing and some people say, but oh man, we're, we've got this trillions and trillions of dollars of debt in the, and our nation can't last. And I know it looks bad. It looks bleak. But you know what? Paul lived in a situation that makes our situation look awesome in comparison. He lived in a situation where the ruler was claiming to be God. There was terrible oppression and the apostle Paul says, it's just a light affliction. It's no problem. If he could handle the Roman government, you ought to be able to handle the U.S. government, whether it's doing what you want them to or not. Amen? I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, what we've got is more than enough for the problem. We just need to appropriate and walk in what we've got. Praise God. You know, I hope I've stirred you up. I hope I've at least, whether you... Thank you, Jesus. Some of you may feel that what I'm describing is like a million miles out there. How do I get there? This may overwhelm you, but that's good. It's good for you to at least realize that there is something more than being carnal. You'll never go there unless, first of all, you know that there is more than what we've got. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we are living way below our privileges. We need to get to where we walk by faith. You need to get to where you're so spiritual-minded you don't even notice if you're clothed or not. (laughs) Amen? And let me just put a little parenthesis here. (laughs) Even if you get that spiritual... 
Everybody else isn't that spiritual, so please put on your clothes. Amen. <laughs> Indulge those of us that aren't yet perfect. But wouldn't it be great to be so God conscious that you, were for, you forgot whether you combed your hair, whether you put on your makeup, whether you were dressed or not? Man, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you and we just thank you for loving us. Father, thank you that through Christ we are new creatures. That in our spirit we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That our spirit is identical to Jesus. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Father, thank you that you've given us all of this in the spirit. And thank you that we can walk by faith and not by sight. Thank you that we don't have to be only human. We don't have to be mere men and women. We don't have to just have the same hurts and fears. Even though that they are there knocking at the door, we don't have to let them dominate us. Father, thank you for this spirit man. And I pray that you would take these words. Holy Spirit, take these words and open up people's spiritual eyes. Father, let people start seeing with your eyesight to hear you to see the way out of their problem, the way through their situations. Father, I pray that we would be like Paul and start seeing things that can't be seen. That we would look up and see beyond the physical into the spiritual realm and see what awesome things you provided for us. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I believe that you want this more than we want it. And so as we yield to it and welcome this, Father, I thank you that you are touching lives. I thank you that the Holy Spirit, John 14, 26, will bring back to our remembrance what you have spoken to us during this weekend. That, Father, these truths will burn in our heart. That it will change us. Thank you, Father. We agree and we receive it and we believe that this is going to make a difference in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. You know, I just mentioned something briefly tonight. But the Holy Spirit, this is, I talk about speaking in tongues and, and a lot of different things because that's something that is tangible that you can tell whether you've done that or not. But you know, one of the greatest benefits of the Holy Spirit, it says four different times in, in John 14, 15, and 16 that He will reveal Jesus to us. He will lead us into truth. He will bring all things to our remembrance. He will open our understanding. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is evidenced by speaking in tongues. But you know, the greatest evidence of me receiving the Holy Spirit it's like the Bible just all of a sudden became alive. I couldn't open the Bible without hearing God scream at me. I mean, yell at me. It was so loud. It was like, where did that come from? I've read this a hundred times. And yet all of a sudden the Bible was alive. God talks to me through the Bible. That's one of the greatest things about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It makes the Word come alive. It makes your spiritual eyesight open up. You cannot walk in the Spirit without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can't live there. You need this baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've seen 180 or more people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
That doesn't mean that you're going to be spiritual, but it means now you've at least got the Holy Spirit and you've got access to that. But you have to walk in it. You have to understand. You have to speak in tongues and believe that you'll interpret. But at least you got the equipment. At least you've begun. Without the Holy Spirit, it says the natural man, 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. In that same context, it talks about being carnal. That's what the word natural is talking about. You have to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to have it to go to heaven, but you have to have it to have heaven work for you here to see the power of God manifest. Let me ask again if there's any person here who does not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues. And you may not understand the terminology, baptism of the Holy Spirit. You may be confused, but let me just put it to you this way. If you aren't speaking in tongues, if you don't have that gift of the Holy Spirit flowing through you, you need to receive it. Is there anybody here who does not have that and you'd like to receive it? We can pray with you and help you to receive the Holy Spirit here tonight. If that's you, I'd like you to raise your hand. Right now, just be bold. Here's somebody back here. Here's other people over here. Praise God. People over here. Thank you, Jesus. We've had close to 200 people, but you know what? I know that there's new people here, and there may even be some of you here that have been here all weekend long, and yet you haven't come forward. I have people say, well, I've prayed for this a dozen times, and nothing has happened. You know what? You ought to come again. There's an anointing of God that's present here tonight. I don't know if you can perceive that, but you can create an atmosphere that is conducive to the power of God flowing. And I tell you, faith has been ministered tonight. People are, their heart is open. You could receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, whether you've prayed for it before and didn't feel like you got it or not, you ought to come. You ought to give God an opportunity to to minister in your life. If you raised your hand, or if you were supposed to raise your hand, but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward and let us pray with you and help you to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't speak in tongues, you ought to be coming forward right now. Somebody might say, well, they don't do that in my church. That's the reason I'm not in your church. But I tell you what, we do it here. It works. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anybody else? If you've prayed for this before, but if you don't speak in tongues, you ought to be down here. You need to get to where you can speak in tongues. And I've got a book that will help you. We've got people that will pray with you. I haven't talked to him this week, but most of the time when Ashley and Melinda take people back there, we have many times 100% of all of the people who come speak in tongues. They may not do it right here, but when they go back there, they'll do it. If you haven't spoken in tongues, you ought to come forward. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this awesome? You know what? This is going to change your life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit just radically, radically changed my life. And there's some people that when they come forward, they pray and they just walk off and you can't even tell that anything's happened. 
But when you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you get the power to totally change. You just have to cooperate with it. You have to understand. That's the reason I've got a book that I'll give you that will explain this in more detail. It's not going to just guarantee that everything's going to change, but it's going to give you an open door to a brand new life if you'll walk through it. It's going to change your life. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Before you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have to be born again. You have to be a temple for the Holy Spirit to come inhabit. The scripture says Jesus is the one that gives the Holy Spirit. So you got to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody up here who's not absolutely certain about whether or not you're born again and you have Jesus in your life? Anybody? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Now here's one lady raising her hand and punching the guy next to her. You can't get saved off of her faith. Do you need to be born again or not? Do you? Are you ready to receive Jesus? Are y'all married? Your son. Well, aren't you a young looking woman? That was the mom punching the boy. But praise God that she loves you. Anybody else here wants to pray? Anybody else? Anybody? All of you sure that you're born again? I'm not trying to talk you out of your faith, but there's so many people that are just assuming. They hope so. You got to know that you're born again. When you get saved, you know something has taken place. If you aren't absolutely sure, you ought to raise your hand and say, I want to be sure. I want to receive Jesus. Anybody else? Praise God. We're going to pray with these two. Isn't this great? Thank you, Jesus. The Lord already died for your sins. He's already paid for your sins. He's already actually forgiven your sins. People don't go to hell for the individual sins. They go to hell for not accepting Jesus who paid for their sins. It's all about whether or not you make Jesus your Lord. So all you've got to do to receive that, it says in Romans 10, 9, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Are you willing to do that? Turn your life over and make Jesus your Lord? Amen. I'm going to pray the prayer that you need to pray. I'm going to say the words that you need to say. And if you will repeat this after me and mean it from your heart, then according to Romans 10, 9, you'll be born again. Is that a good deal? Awesome. Let's have everybody say this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive. That you live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Welcome to the family. You just got totally changed on the inside. You know, on the outside, you're still the mother and the son. But on the inside, you're both sons of God. You're totally changed on the inside. And you'll spend the rest of your life trying to function on who you are in the spirit instead of just your natural flesh. So now every person up here has been made the temple of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You were made by God as a temple for the Holy Spirit to inhabit. That's what he created you for. 
So you don't have to wonder, will he give you the Holy Spirit? That's what he made you born again for, was so that he could come and fill you with his Holy Spirit. He's been looking for this day. He's been longing for a time that you would just totally turn your life over and say, oh, Holy Spirit, come take me. So you don't have to beg him. You don't have to wonder, will he do this? He's wanting to do it. So all we have to do is just ask and believe. So we're only going to ask one time. We aren't going to beg God. Some people teach that you've got to be holy before you can receive the Holy Spirit. But if you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. The reason He's going to give you the Holy Spirit is to help give you power. So don't let some sense of unworthiness or something hold you back. If you're breathing and born again, God wants to give you the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to ask, and then I'm going to have our prayer ministers come up and lay hands on you. These people, uh, the scripture says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. So these people are going to come stand behind you, and I'm going to pray for you, and then they're going to lay hands on you and release the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit into your life. And then after we do that, after they lay hands on you, I want you to quit asking God for the Holy Spirit and take a step of faith and believe something that you can't see. Believe something that you may or may not feel. Go by faith based on what God's Word says and start thanking God that you've got the Holy Spirit just because He promised, not because you got some feeling or a goose bump. We're going to believe God. We're going to operate in faith. And so we're going to pray for you. They're going to lay hands on you. And I want you to start thanking God that you've got the Holy Spirit. And at that time, I want you to lift your hands because the Bible says when you lift up your hands, this blesses God. It's like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you just go, I yield. I surrender. It's a way of just showing God, I give up. And so we're going to pray for you. And then you're going to start thanking God. And then... Those standing behind you are going to pray in tongues because the Bible says when you pray in tongues, you're giving thanks. So we're going to start thanking God by speaking in tongues and glorifying God. And at that time, I want you to quit thanking Him in English and start thanking God by speaking in tongues. And I know that there's probably still a lot of questions like, how do I do that? I haven't got time to tell you all of it, but I've got a book that will explain it. The number one problem that keeps people from speaking in tongues, they think that the Holy Spirit's going to force you to speak in tongues. So they just open their mouth and wait on the Holy Spirit to make it talk. If I would have opened my mouth tonight and said, Oh God, speak through me, and then just wait on God to make my mouth move, nothing would have happened. I spoke. It's me that spoke. That's the reason it came out in a Texas twang. That's the reason it came out with my personality. But you know what? I believe God inspired it. That's the way speaking in tongues is. The Bible says in Acts 2, 4, they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the inspiration. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. He inspires you and then you speak by faith and believe that it's the Holy Spirit that's given it to you. Anyway, I've got a book that will explain it in more detail, but if you're ready, you can pray right now, and you can receive. Everybody ready? Father, we thank you that all of these now are born again. Thank you for these two that just got changed from death unto life. Thank you that we are all the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we welcome you. Father, we now open up our heart and welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come fill your temple. We are yours. We want your power to come and dwell in us and flow through us. So we welcome you. Come Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. 
And now we lay hands on you and release this power and this anointing to flow into you right now. We loose the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come. Father, I thank you that you are just burning up all of this carnality, that you're helping us to start walking by faith and not by sight. Father, we thank you that your power is flowing, that right now we are going to start understanding the Scripture, that our eyes are going to be open, our spiritual ears will be open. We just receive it. Now let's put your hands up. Start thanking God that you've got it. Thank God that He gave you the Holy Spirit. Put your hands up. It won't hurt you. Put your hands up. Just say, Father, I surrender. I yield. I receive the Holy Spirit. These arms are like your lightning rod. Amen. (laughs) Father, we release the power of God. Thank you that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And now, those of you that have the gift of speaking in tongues, let's pray in tongues right now. And as we pray in tongues... Quit praising God in English and thanking Him in English and instead start speaking in a language that you don't understand. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying. But you can't say what they're saying. That's their tongue. Your tongue will be unique to you. You can't repeat exactly what they're saying, but you could get started. And then once you start talking, don't quit. Just keep talking. Just keep talking. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Don't listen to yourself. You aren't talking to yourself. You're talking to the Father. I've heard languages around the world that I nearly laughed and thought that couldn't be a language, and yet it's a language. You may not think yours sounds like a real language, but God the Father knows what you're saying. And as you begin to speak in it, you'll get fluent in it. It'll work. Just glorify God. Right now, take your attention off of yourself and just worship God and realize that you're speaking from your spirit and bypassing your brain, bypassing your doubt, bypassing this carnality. You aren't talking carnally. You're talking spiritually. You're talking out of your spirit. Amen. Boy, the power of God is flowing through you. Father, we just receive this power and this anointing flowing through every one of these right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Well, that is the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we loose this power. Thank you, Jesus, for loosing their tongue. Praise the Lord. I tell you what, the power of God is flowing. People's lives are being changed. You're never going to be the same. You're going to be stronger than horseradish. I believe that the anointing of God is coming over you. God is setting you free from things that have bound you. Well, right now there is a peace and a liberty and a freedom flowing in your life. God is moving powerfully among these people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know what? I want to give you some instruction. What has happened to you right now is powerful. You don't perceive how powerful it is. Nobody here understands really how powerful what's just taken place is. You'll spend the rest of your life trying to fully understand and yield and submit yourselves to the Holy Spirit. 
But I have written a book that explains the things that I know about it, and this will really help you. When I prayed for the Holy Spirit, it was three and a half years before I spoke in tongues. But that's because I was a Baptist. And I had so much unbelief and fear about it. I was all messed up and waiting on God to make me talk in tongues. But I found out through the Word what speaking in tongues is about. And now I can speak in tongues with the best of them. And um, I've written in this book things that will help you. Even if you didn't speak in tongues right now, I believe that God was faithful to answer your prayer and give you the Holy Spirit. You just have to follow through. And continue. So we want to give you this book so that you get the maximum impact and benefit out of this. I promise you, you've got to understand what happened. So I want to give you a free copy of this book. It also is about salvation. And for those two of you that got born again, it'll explain salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Ashley right here has the book up in his hand. And if you just follow him for a moment, we're going to have him give you the book. There will be people there that will pray with you. If you have questions, they'll answer your questions. But we want you to get the maximum benefit out of this. So just follow Ashley here for just a moment. Praise the Lord. Isn't this awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, let's praise God. Isn't this awesome? Their life's never going to be the same. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Praise God. What a blessing. What a blessing. Thank you, Father. You know, we've had over 200 people receive the Holy Spirit. There was only 120 people that received the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And then they went down and there was 3,000 born again and they received. But it started with 120. And here we are 2,000 years later. The world is being impacted because of 120 people that received the Holy Spirit. We've had 200 receive the Holy Spirit in the last three days. Man, I believe that has the potential of spreading and making a huge impact. Isn't that great? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. These are our prayer ministers up here. And um, we have just been seeing awesome things happen. People's lives have been changed. And this is our last opportunity during this service to pray with you. You know, even if you came forward for prayer before... If you come forward for the same thing and think, well, I didn't get healed the first time, maybe it'll work this time, that's unbelief. But if you say, you know what, I believed I received, but boy, tonight my eyes have been opened. I am now believing with my heart, whereas I wasn't believing before, and I just want to agree again. If you come with that attitude, you can let people lay hands on you until they rub all the hair off the top of your head, and it'll be fine. But if you would come with that attitude, I'd like to invite you to come and let people agree with you and pray for you. And we are going to see the miraculous power of God manifest. If you need prayer for anything, just come. We've got people standing at the aisles that will direct you so that you won't all just go to one place. Please come forward. The rest of you, we stay and we pray. We saw about... uh, at least 20 people or more that were deaf last night, partial deafness at least. 
that were set free and testified that their hearing was already changed last night. So you're welcome to stay and pray with us. There's more that could happen, but if you need to go, you're free to go. Remember that we have CDs and DVDs of the entire seminar already duplicated out there. You can pick them up on your way out. And we, of course, have all of those other materials. And so please take advantage of those materials. They'll really, really help you. Praise God. I've got a tape set that's entitled Faith Builders that is kind of along the lines of what I was teaching tonight. There's four four or five teachings in it that would take the same points I was making tonight and go into more detail. And that's out there. You're welcome to get that. That'll give you a lot more insight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you and we just believe, Father, that we can see things that we can't see with our eyes. We believe that Jesus is right here in this room. We believe that the Holy Spirit is here. We believe that you are here, that the power of the Lord is present to heal. That, Father, people can come out of wheelchairs. Blind eyes can be opened. Deaf ears can be opened. Cancers can be destroyed. Heartbreak can be healed. Father, we thank you that all things are possible and we just release our faith. We release the anointing of God. We come against all of these things. We come against the doubt and the unbelief, the carnality that hinders us. And Father, we believe that spiritual eyesight is coming to people here tonight in the name of Jesus. We thank you that people are being healed. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody here has got pain right here in your stomach, down like in your colon area. You've been having pain. I don't know, that, that could be cramps, it could be from a, uh, I don't know what it's from. But anyway, you've been having pain right there in your colon area. If that's you, I want you to stand up, raise your hand so I can see who this is. Here's the healing power of God. There's somebody back there, anybody else? Here's people over here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just loose this anointing right now. And I command this pain, our pressure, discomfort to be gone now in the name of Jesus. And whatever it is, it causes that stop in Jesus' name. Amen. Right there is the anointing of God coming over you. All of this pain is gone right now. And whatever the root of this was, I speak to it to be healed. For this problem to be over in Jesus' name. Whatever caused that pain, be healed now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We agree and we receive it. Amen. How do you feel? Did you have pain before we prayed? You got any pain left? A little bit? So can you tell the difference? It's going, 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 gone. How about you? Did you have pain? It's already gone. Anybody else over here that had pain it's already gone? If you had pain down there in your colon area and it's already gone, wave at me. Anybody else? Anybody over here? It's already gone? Isn't that great? Man, that's the power of God. And you know what? Every one of you that stood, the same power was released towards you. You've got it. Sometimes Jesus cursed the fig tree and it took about 24 hours for what he had said to be visible, but it was done at the moment it was spoken. In the spirit realm, God's power is released. Healing is already working in you and you need to praise God 
just the same as if you could feel everything. That's walking by faith. That's seeing something that you can't see with your eyes. You're seeing in your heart. Father, we thank you and we receive that. There's a number of people that their teeth are being healed. This could be all kinds of things. uh, Tooth decay, gum disease. I don't know what it is, but teeth are being healed right now. If you've got problems with your teeth, I want you to stand, raise your hand so I can see who's receiving this. If that's you, I want you to believe. And I want you to believe that God is touching you right now. See this by faith. And if you feel it in your physical body, instantly wonderful. But if you don't feel it instantly, still wonderful because the healing power of God is touching you and it's just a matter of time until the physical realm bows its knee. Father, we agree and we receive right now. I command tooth decay, gum disease, infection, pain to leave in the name of Jesus. Teeth be healed. Mouths be healed in the name of Jesus. I loose the power and the anointing of God and command all of this disease and pain and decay to be gone. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody here, your mouth doesn't put out the right kind of, uh, I don't know what you call it, but the right stuff in your saliva. And because of it, you are receptive to disease and things that a normal person isn't. God is touching you right now and changing the chemistry of your mouth. You're going to start building an immunity against all of this stuff right now. I believe there's somebody in here that was diagnosed. You knew that that was a problem with you. And right now, God has just changed the chemistry of your mouth. And you're, you're going to find that these problems that have been going on your whole life are over now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you. I command tooth pain to leave. Teeth, toothaches to leave now in Jesus' name. Oh, there's the anointing of God flowing. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's teeth are like falling out because of gum disease. Your gums are rotting away and falling away. And here's the healing power of God. That stopped. And I believe that your gums are going to become healthy and grow back. Things are going to work properly. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive these miracles in our mouths in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Y'all agree with that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody in here who's already had pain leave or something that you can tell the difference? Here's one that the pain's already left. Anybody else? Here's another one over here. Praise God. Anybody else? Here's one right here that the pain's left. Anybody else? That's three or four, five. You know what? If God healed a few, he healed them all. God is no respecter of persons. That power is now in you and working, and it's just a matter of time until your body catches up. You just keep believing. Don't back off of it. Walk by faith. See something that you can't see. Praise the Lord. Father, we agree, and we receive that. Somebody here's got a... A pain that goes down the side of your neck. It starts at the base of your skull and goes down your neck into your shoulder. I don't know what that is, but you got pain in your neck on the side of your neck. Is that you? Anybody else here? If that's you, I want you to stand up. Well, quite a few of you. What is this? I don't know about this. But anyway, God's healing you right now. Amen. 
If that's you, I want you to stand and lift your hands. Father, we agree, and right now we release your supernatural anointing. We command this pain in the neck. Satan, that's you. You are a pain in the neck. We command you to get off of us in the name of Jesus. We command this stiffness and pain to be gone now in Jesus' name. Well, right there, you're being set free. There is the physical manifestation. The pain's gone right now. Begin to move around. Begin to stretch yourself. Move in ways that you couldn't do before. Here's the healing power of God flowing in your body. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. Man, that's awesome. How many of you the pains already left? Man, here's a bunch of people. Bunches of people. Dozens of people. Pain's already gone. You know, I don't understand why sometimes things happen instantly and sometimes they don't. I think that it's because there's a miracle and then a healing. A miracle, everything is just perfect instantly, but a healing. The Bible says you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Both of them are valid ways to receive. There's no bad way to get healed. And so sometimes it just all happens instantly. Other times you lay hands on them and they recover. It just takes a period of time. But I believe that the healing power of God has gone towards every single person. And if it didn't manifest itself instantly, you just keep walking by faith and praising God. And that virtue is in you and your body will recover. Really simple. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive this. Thank you, Father. The Lord just spoke to me that somebody here has polyps in your nose that are affecting you. You've had them a long time. Here's a person back here. Anybody else, if this is you with polyps in your nose that's affecting you, I want you to stand. Here's a couple of people right here. Anybody else? Here's a person over here. Anybody else, if this is you, over here in the far side. Father, we agree. And right now, whatever causes these polyps, we speak in the name of Jesus and command them to quit growing. We stop this problem in the name of Jesus. And Father, now we loose your anointing. And I believe that your anointing is going and shrinking those polyps, causing them to leave their body, that they aren't coming back. They're gone and they aren't coming back. And whatever problems that that causes, we just speak healing to them in the name of Jesus, that this is over, healed. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we believe that you've touched our bodies and we are healed. And from this moment on, our bodies are recovering. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Boy, a number of people here have got hip problems. You've hurt your hips somehow or another. You have a lot of problems getting around. Here's God healing hips. If you got hip problems, I want you to stand up. Raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for. Here's God healing people's hips. Praise the Lord. If that's you, I want you to stand. Raise your hand so I'll know who you are. Praise God. Amen. Father, for all of these right now, we just thank you that your anointing is flowing in this room. Boy, here's the Holy Spirit just flowing through this room, touching people's bodies. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for touching them. Boy, there's the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Brothers and sisters, I can't see this with my eyes, but I can see it in my heart that the Lord is just walking through here and touching people.
Right now, this pain is leaving you in Jesus' name. Some of you that didn't have sockets, the, the bones have deteriorated. God is touching you and giving you new hips. He's doing what surgery can't do. He's giving you brand new sockets. And the Lord is touching people. Healing is coming. Pain is gone now in the name of Jesus. Father, whatever needs to happen, we just loose this power. We thank you, Father, that you are touching people and that hips are being healed. Some of you that have had trouble standing and walking, you're going to be able to run. You got brand new hips. God has totally changed you. Father, we loose this power. We thank you that you are touching people and setting people free right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Is there anybody who had pain and the pain's already gone? If that's you, I want you to... Here's a lady right here. Anybody else? Here's another one. The pain's already gone. Here's a couple of more. Here's one over here. Anybody else that your pain's already gone? Man, that's a bunch of people. Here's some people back here. Isn't that great? I believe that God is here. I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit, God's doing miracles. He's changing people's lives. You know, if you've been battling cancer, I want you to stand. We're going to take authority over cancer. I believe people are being healed of cancer right now. If you've had problems with cancer, I want you to stand and raise your hand. And we're breaking cancer over you. Anybody? Here's one right here. Here's one in the back. Here's a couple here. Here's some over here. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you that you, the power of the Lord is present to heal. That you are healing cancer. You are healing us of cancer. Cancer, we curse you in Jesus' name. We speak death to every cancer cell in these bodies. Die now in the name of the Lord Jesus. We command you to get out of their bodies. Quit multiplying. Leave now in the name of Jesus. You spirits of cancer, loose them and let them go now. Thank you, Jesus. There's cancer leaving this room. Spirits of cancer leaving right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I loose your anointing to flow into their body and restore what cancer has damaged. If there's any organs, any parts of their body that cancer has eaten and destroyed, I loose your anointing to repair and to restore this. If the doctor's treatments have caused them problems and damage, Father, we loose your anointing to restore them. We command pain to be gone now. Command appetite to come back. Command the bodies to begin to repair and grow. Father, we agree and we receive your deliverance from cancer. Thank you that cancer, the fear of cancer is gone in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Man, I believe that. I believe you have been set free of cancer. I believe that's broken over you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive it now in Jesus' mighty name. There's a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 2 where it says the, pre- the power of the Lord was present to heal. And Jesus saw every single person healed. This is where they let the man down through the roof. 
miracles took place. You know, I just feel like the presence, the power of God is present to heal. I'd like, I don't care what your problem is. I know that there's some of you waiting until I call it out, but I just want you to take a step of faith and believe that Jesus is here. The power of the Holy Spirit is here. And if you need a healing in any area of your life, I just want you to stand and raise your hand and I'm going to pray and release this power. And I believe that God is going to change people's lives, heal you of things. Miracles are going to take place right now. Some of you need to stand and intercede for someone else. You need to be the conduit through which the Holy Spirit can flow and touch someone else. Father, I believe that the presence, the power of the Lord is present to hear, heal. I believe that there is an anointing here to heal bodies tonight for miracles. I command blind eyes to open in the name of Jesus. Deaf ears to hear. For the lame to walk. For people's speech to be released. For hearts to be healed. Diabetes to lead. Pancreas be healed and work right now. We loose your supernatural anointing. Command lupus to be gone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Some people that have been dealing with mental unstableness, you're being healed right now in the name of the Lord. Parkinson's disease, go. Alzheimer's, leave now in the name of Jesus. Father, I loose your power and anointing and I thank you that you are touching people and that healings are happening, that people are being set free. Sickness, you leave this place right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I can see this in my heart that demons are fleeing from you right now. Spirits are leaving this place. The anointing of God is touching people. Bodies are beginning to recover. Oh, the Lord is just touching people. The Lord's touching people's emotions. There's some of you in here that have been grieving. God is just setting you free. God's giving you the oil of joy for the spirit of heaviness. That right now there is just a peace and a joy falling over you. Father, we thank you and we receive this right now. Thank you, Jesus, for touching people's lives. Hallelujah. Father, we agree. We thank you. We believe that you are setting us free, that it has already happened, and from this moment on, our bodies recover. We send this healing towards other people right now, those we're interceding for, and we believe that wherever they are, that your anointing is coming upon them, that the power of God is overshadowing them, that healing is coming into their bodies now in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to begin to start thanking God and praising God as if you could see or feel what you were praying over. Take a step of faith and see with your heart. Just thank God that it's a done deal. Thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes I was healed. It's already done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I believe God has touched a lot of people. And I believe that there's more that's happened than what you can perceive with your little five senses. 
I think that there's things that have taken place that you'll go out of here and you'll find out later that you know what? I'm different. And you started to mend right now when you started believing God. Isn't that good? You know, I prayed over a woman one time that had Parkinson's disease. And I said, Parkinson's, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. Get out of here. And there was a door over there, double doors that were on these hinges. And I mean, when I said, get out of here, those doors just went wham like that. It broke those hinges and they hit the wall and just were loose like that. And I looked over and I said, I think Parkinson's has just left the building. Amen. I couldn't see it, but we saw the doors open. And you know what? I believe that demonic things that have been afflicting some of you, they've gone here tonight. Now, when you leave here, if you ever have another pain or another problem or another symptom, that doesn't mean that you weren't healed or that you've lost your healing and it came back. You know what it means is the devil knows I believe what I'm saying. He's just not sure whether you believe it. And so he'll come back and knock on the door and give you a pain or a feeling or a symptom. And all you've got to do is say, no, I was healed. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Romans eleven twenty six. If I was healed, I am healed. I'm not accepting this. And you resist it and it'll flee from you. Satan can give you a feeling, but he can't stay without your consent and cooperation. So praise God. Believe that you've been set free. Believe that those things are gone. And if you ever have another symptom contrary to what you've prayed for, just stand and resist it and say, no, I was healed in the name of Jesus. And praise God, you'll see manifestation of those things you believe for. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, thanks for coming and being a part of our meeting. I believe that this is going to help you. Make sure you get the CDs, the DVDs of this. Share them with somebody else. This could help somebody else. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.